know, we've been in a series the last several weeks called Love Our City. And what we've been doing is really looking at the scriptures and digging into the importance of loving our neighbors. Let me tell you how important it is for us to love our neighbors because it's important to God. Let me tell you what that means. It's important to God so much so that he chooses to love people through people. Like, have you ever thought about this? When you show up, God shows up. Have you thought about this, that when you extend yourself, therein is the opportunity where God can potentially enact miracles and bring change and, 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 and raise up hope in the lives of others? Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. So, hey, just as a, just as a precursor to my message today, I'm going to ask you for a favor, right? I don't usually do this, but I'm just sensing this. I need you to preach with me. Amen? Is that all right? So... Anybody ever heard the word amen? amen? You know what amen means? Sometimes we say amen to the things that we shouldn't say amen to. Right? But I'm just going to say, when you say amen, what you're saying is, so be it. I agree with that. Let that be so, Lord. So if you feel the need to say amen, then you say that, right? Right? Oh, okay, some, some of you said amen, all right, so be it. See, we, we just do that out of habit, right? But, but that's all right. But I want you to preach with me, right? If God's speaking to you, I want you to respond to God, right? I'm not talking about a show here. I want you to really begin to dig in and let the word of God speak to you. Amen? Amen. All right. So with that being said, we, we, going back to this thing, we've been in this series called Love Our City. And what we're doing is putting legs to our faith, right? We're not just preaching this. We're not just talking about this. We're doing it. Guys, we're taking on the whole city. We're taking on the whole city, right? And how many of you are on social media? Wave at me if you're on social media. All right? Whoa, I'm, I'm concerned. Hold on, hold on. If you're on social media, wave at a brother. Okay, those of you online, give us an emoji. All right, here's what I want you to do. Earlier this week, we sent out a little image that says we love our city. And here's what we asked. Use that as your profile picture for the next couple of weeks until we get to love our city. How many of you could do that? Amen. All right? Okay, about, about 10 of you. All right, all right. We're going to get there. But here's what else we're going to do. How many of you know sharing is caring? Come on, tell somebody, sharing is caring. So listen, if we're truly going to care for people, then we need to share. And what does that mean? I need you to share this on social media. All right? There's already a buzz going on about it, and you'll hear why in a second a little bit more. But I need you to go above and beyond to make this uh, 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 to put it out there. Here's what else I'm asking you to do. If you're serving or not, I'm asking you to invite your friends. I'm, I'm asking you to invite your neighbors. I'm asking you to invite your family members. Why? What parent doesn't love free activities for their kids, right, where their kids can have a whole bunch of fun? Listen, we're pulling out petting zoos. We're doing bounce houses. We're doing ICs. We're doing uh, all kinds of activities. We're doing live performances. We're, doing a, we're pulling out the food truck. We're doing food. We're doing grocery giveaways, right? But let me tell you why we're doing this. We're not doing this just for the sake of doing it. You know, to meet people where they are and take them towards where God is taking them, wants to take them, you've got to start by meeting people there. And so we're extending a hand of love, and we're believing God for a great harvest. Amen? So I'm asking you, come on, help make this a success. Come on, give God some praise for that. So today we're going to dig back into the series that we've been in, and we're going to go to the book of Luke, 
chapter 10. We're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan one more time. And, what, and before we do that, I just want to encourage you, if you've missed any portion of this series, go to our YouTube page. Check it out. I guarantee you God has something to say to you, to say to me. He's preparing us for greater things. Amen. So starting at verse 30, it says that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Let me just set the stage here. You, some of you, you've been here a couple of weeks, so you know where I'm going with this. This is a Jewish landscape. The context here is Jewish people. And, and the backdrop for this is that Jesus has a man who comes to him who's a religious Jewish expert. And he asks a question that many of us ask. We've thought about it at some point. And the question was, how do I inherit eternal life? Here's what he's saying. How do I uh, live according to this kingdom that Jesus was talking about had come? How do, how do I incorporate this into my life? How do I follow God? How do I have relationship with God? And so this man asked this great question, and Jesus says to him, you're a religious expert. You know the law. How do you interpret it? And the man responds wisely. He says, the whole law can be summed up with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, well said. So go do that. But this man's pride gets in the way. His expertise gets in the way of truth. And he responds to Jesus, and he says, well, who's my neighbor? Because you see, in a Jewish context, and to this Jewish religious expert, what that meant was, I'm just supposed to love my fellow Israelite. I'm just supposed to love the person that I went to school with, the person that I grew up with, the person who looks like me, worships like me, acts like me, believes like me. And so Jesus responds with a parable to speak truth to his heart, to challenge his understanding of what this is all about. And so there's a man who's going down to Jerusalem from Jericho in this story. And he's attacked by robbers, the scripture says. And they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away and they left him half dead. Verse 31 says a priest, somebody say a priest. A priest, this person belongs in the story. This is a Jewish person. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In other words, he didn't do what he was supposed to, right? It goes on to say that so too a Levite. Somebody say a Levite. A Levite, this person also belongs in the story. This is a Jewish uh, person as well. And this Levite, when he came to the place and saw this man who was down, he passed by on the other side. But then comes in a different character, a villain of sorts. It says, but a Samaritan. Say with me, a Samaritan. This person does not belong in the story. This person does not look like a Jewish person. They do not worship like a Jewish person. They do not act like a Jewish person. As a matter of fact, they have drama with a Jewish person, right? They're ready to throw hands and Jewish people the same way, vice versa. They, they hurl insults at each other. They look differently. They live in different regions. They come from different lineage. They perceive God differently. And so this person does not belong in the story, but we must note this, that Jesus inserted him there. And that says something to you and I, because last time I checked, I mean, I know I can potentially pass as a Jewish person, right? Potentially, right? Potentially. All right. That was a lot funnier in my head, but anyway. Right? But here's the truth. None of us really fit that bill. But I want you to consider this, that God inserts you into his story. He has purposes for your life, for my life, right? And so this Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. That's not a bendito pity, 
Right? That's not, let me give you a little handout to make you, to make myself feel good. This is love, true love that comes from the depths, the bowels of the very soul. And so this man loved the person who's down and out with the love of God. So much so that it says that he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. This is expensive stuff. And then he put this man on his own donkey. And he brought him to an inn and took care of him. He stayed with him goes on to say that the next day he took out two denarii. It gets better. Watch this. He gave them to the innkeeper and he says, look after him. And when I return, I'm coming back for you. I can't leave you where you find yourself. I can't leave you down and out. I have to make sure that you are restored. I have to make sure that you can get back up. I have to make sure that you are fully on your own two feet, that you are a whole person again. He says, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And so Jesus turns to this religious expert and he says to him, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the religious expert responds, the one who had mercy on him. The one who interrupted his journey. The one who saw the need to act when no one else would. The one who actually saw him as a person and extended himself to him. The one who committed to see him through. The one who loved him. And over the last several weeks... Well, let me, before I go there, it's interesting that Jesus says to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. I've been hitting this question for the last several weeks, but I want you to consider this. What is Jesus telling you and me to do? What is he actually telling us? How does this apply to our lives? What's the call that God, the mandate, the vision that God is placing before us? And more importantly, what will we do? Over the last several weeks, we've been studying this parable. And one of the things that I want to note is that Bible scholars titled this parable as the parable of the Good Samaritan. But I want to propose to you a question. What makes him so good? What is it that makes him so good? Was it because he stopped to check on a hurting man? Was it because he bandaged his wounds? Was it because he used expensive personal resources to clean him up? Was it because he gave up his donkey so that he could carry this man to safety while he walked? Was it because he gave sacrificially of his financial means to cover his costs for his stay at an inn? There's no denying that all these actions are good. But friends, what made the Samaritan good was his intentions. Was his intentions. You see, his intentions were to stay for the long haul. His, his intentions were to see this man to full recovery and restoration. Today I want to talk to you from the heart of God. I want to point you to the scriptures as we dig into the topic, we are here to stay. We're here to stay. Say that to three people. We are here to stay. We're here to stay. Hey, online, we are here to stay. We're here to stay. Friends, what good is it to help people if we're not doing it to see people healed and restored to new life? 
What's the point of extending a hand, of sharing the gospel, of taking actions if we're not communicating our commitment to remain for the long haul? I remember probably about a year and a half now, uh, some of you, you were around at that time, and uh, you'll remember that I found myself in a situation I never thought I'd find myself in. I was, I, I developed a double pneumonia, craziest thing. Ended up in the hospital, couldn't breathe. I was struggling, right? And as I get to the hospital, God sends a good Samaritan. And she actually comes to the church, a woman named Veronica, and, and then another woman who's also, who, who also comes to the church. Um, I get to the hospital, and this woman walks into the room, and she goes, Pastor Jose? You see, I was in such bad shape that I was, like, pale. Like, she couldn't recognize me. She's like, Pastor Jose? And she goes, oh, my God, do you know what this woman Veronica did? This woman Veronica not only took care of me that night as the nurse assigned to my room, right? But when she left, she spoke to every nurse, spoke to every doctor. She was calling throughout the day. She was stopping by during the day. Brother Stanley's wife would come through, and she would do communion with me and pray with me. And these people were committed to make sure we're going to do everything that we can to see you fully restored, to see you leave here whole. Friends, why do I share that with you? Let me tell you why I share that with you. Because when we commit to seeing people heal. We're making a commitment to see them become whole. And if that's not the goal, then guess what? We're lost. We're headed down the wrong direction. And I get it. This is a process. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. But it also takes continual presence. It's a commitment that Jesus demonstrates as our model for life through this parable. And so what does it take for us to stay, to be people that live that committed life. And I'm so glad you asked that question <laughs> because I'm thinking the same thing too. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this. Today I want to propose to you some statements because we're not here playing church, friends. We make a declaration to this city. I'm not preaching to you a message. I'm just echoing what we've always believed and what we've always done. We are here to stay. We are here to see 30,893 people come to Christ. And you know what? We'll die trying. It's all right. We believe that God has commissioned us to be a light in this world. And just like a city that's on a hill cannot be hidden, we will not hide what God wants to do through this house. Oh, come on, we could do better than that. And so what does it take for us to stay? Here's what it takes. We will remember our why because it determines what we do. Say that with me. We will remember our why because it determines what we do. How many of you know that if you're not clear on why you're doing something, what you do doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. It's not going anywhere. I remember a story, I'm sure I shared it here sometime over the years, of a young couple, they were recently married, and the husband's so excited because it's the first Christmas, and he's going to meet all the family who's traveled from all over. And so they show up, and it's a great affair, you know, there's all types of food, and he's mingling with people, he's getting to know people, and then all of a sudden, while he's talking to a particular family member, he notices his mother-in-law at the side of his eye, 
about to put the ham into the oven, and she cuts the ends off and throws them out. It drives him nuts. He might have been Latino because you guys with your pernil, you know, you go crazy. You're like, you don't want to waste anything, right? That was a lot funnier in my head anyway. But anyway, so he's like, what a waste. So it's bugging him. So eventually he kind of cozies on, he cozies on next to his wife. And he says, hon, why would your wife, why, why would your mom cut the ends off the ham off and throw them out? That's good meat. She goes, oh, you silly goose. She says, it makes the meat taste better. And he goes, who told you that nonsense? He goes, my mother taught me that. So, he, you know, he's mingling around. He's with the family. And eventually, he cozies on next to his mother-in-law. He says, Mom, Mom, Sally says that you taught her and you say that when you cut the ends of the ham off, that it makes it taste better. That's impossible. You're wasting good meat. She goes, oh, you silly goose. My mother taught me that. And so now he's really perplexed, right? So he's mingling around, and eventually he comes around to Grandma, who happens to be alive, and he says, Grandma. Sally says and mom says that you said that when you cut the ends of the ham off, it makes it taste better. Who told you that nonsense? She goes, oh, those silly gooses. She says, we used to cut the ends of the ham off because it didn't fit in the pan. <laughs> What's my point with this story? My point with this is simply that if we don't know why we do what we do, what we do will be useless. It'll be wasteful. And I'm going to tell you this, we are not wasting not one resource here. We are very clear on what God has called us to. We know our why. Let me share with you our why. Let me give you two portions of scripture. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your works to the Lord. To who? The Lord. And your thoughts will be established. Right? Let's see, uh, um, Acts chapter 13, verse 47 goes on to say this. Uh, so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you what? A light. A light for the Gentiles that you may bring what? Salvation to the ends of the earth. See, we're very clear on our why. We're very clear that everything that we do, we do it because we love, because we honor, because we worship the Lord our God, and because people matter. We are extremely clear about that. We're extremely clear about the fact that we've been placed in this city not to play church and hide behind four walls. We understand that we are called to be lights, and Jesus, the one in us, is the filament that shines brightly and enlightens people to the truth. And so we're not going to hide. We're going to take bold steps. We're going to be brave. We're going to dare to do what nobody else has done in this city. Because to lead people to a God they've never known, you have to do something they've never seen. While everybody's having fun during our Love Our City Fest on the 22nd, your family, your friends, and all these other people, while they're all having fun, here's what we know. We're giving them the gospel. We're connecting with people. We're listening to stories. We're praying with people. We're encouraging people. We're serving people. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And we're going to serve people to life in this kingdom. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm interested in kicking the gates of hell down and overpopulating heaven. We ain't playing no games. But friends, if we're not clear on why we do what we do, what we do will not matter. Because it will lose its importance and its relevance. And we want to bring relevance 
We want to bring Jesus to life by showing up. How many of you showing up for this thing that we're doing? Come on and give God some praise. Listen, bring at least three people with you. We're going we're gonna to bless them. We're going to love them. And we're going to lead them to life in Christ. Amen? So what does it take for us to stay? I'll tell you what it takes for us to stay. We will remain focused on tomorrow by continuing to do good and not giving up today. Say that with me. We will remain focused on tomorrow by continuing to do good and not giving up today. See, tomorrow matters, and because tomorrow matters, we're going to be intentional about what we do in this very day. Galatians 6.9 puts it this way. Let us not become weary in doing good. For, the, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's leave that scripture up there. I want you to consider what the scripture is teaching us here. It's telling us about seed time and harvest time. And what it's telling us, listen, friends, I know for a fact, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know many of you, you sacrifice of your resources, you sacrifice of your time, you sacrifice of your talents, you show up day in, day out, you are all for what God is doing, praise God, we celebrate you, and we thank you for that. But friends, I also know this, that when you're doing good, when you're doing what God has called you to, you can grow weary. And this is why the scripture tells us, don't grow weary when you're doing good. Sometimes it feels hard, but let me remind you what it takes to see harvest. Let me tell you what's necessary when you're sowing seeds. You got to commit that I'm not giving up on what God has called us to. You got to commit on I know the role that God has placed me for here in this house, in this community. I may not live in this region, but I know this. This is practice for where I live, for where I go. Because we're supposed to take this to the ends of the earth. Right? And so the reason why the Lord tells us to not become weary is because we will grow weary. And if there's one thing that the Good Samaritan teaches us, it's that if we're going to love our neighbors, we cannot be people that give up on people. We have to be consistent. We have to be consistent. Let me give you a real-life example of that, something that's come about as a result of this Love Our City initiative that you are behind, that you and I are carrying, that you and I are being intentional about. And so we've been around now for a little over nine years, right? We've been in, in this facility a little over eight years. And throughout that whole time, from the very beginning, from the inception of what God called us to do, we knew this. We're called to help people connect with God. We teach the word uncompromised. We don't complicate it. We don't give you opinions. We keep it super simple, right? What we have to say doesn't matter. What does God's word say? So we help people connect with God, right? We do that through solid teaching. We help people connect with people of like precious faith. My, my wife was saying earlier, we, we can't do this alone. This journey of faith requires help, requires community, requires people on the same path. We need that support, and so we do that through small groups. We do that through serving opportunities. We do that through community events where we all get to rub elbows because how many of you know the Bible says that iron sharpens iron? So if iron sharpens iron, it takes a Christian to sharpen a Christian, right? So we're very intentional about that. We also knew from the very beginning that we're called to community. 
that we're called to be a light in the community, to engage with the community, to be a part of the fabric of community. And so we've always done that. And because of that consistency over the years, I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's been like, oh, God, we're going to do this. (laughs) But let me tell you what consistency does. As we started putting this together and we started talking to different people and different entities, the city of Newburgh, a councilman in the city, called a meeting with us, the city manager, and a few different people. And we sat down and they wanted to hear about Love Our City. So what is this about? And we began to tell them about the service projects. We shared the heart behind it. But here's what, we, we, here's what I also shared with them. I said, you know, a, a, a big part of the issues with the city is not the issues. It's perception. It's perception that people maintain. It's perception that people here maintain. And so we want to change that perception. And so we are going to declare that we love our city. That there are people in this city that love this city. And we're going to inspire people from death to life. We're going to inspire people to see their own city, to see their own neighbors differently. This is the gospel at work. And so the city was like, we want to partner with you. We want to partner with you. They gave us Delano Hitch Stadium. And I don't have time to get into a whole bunch of other stuff, but a councilman that was at that meeting, the one that convened the meeting, pulls me aside and he says, I, well, actually, he didn't pull me aside. He said it right in the meeting. He says, I want to I donate X amount of funds from public funds that I have to use for community. Let me tell you, it wasn't a, no small fry. It's helping us advance the kingdom. Right? Isn't it God good? But watch this. It gets better. So that meeting, I believe, was a Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was. The next day, I get a call from someone that I did some work with over the years when I, was, when I had a consulting company when we first started the church. This woman calls me. She's now the manager of all the sales department for a health um, insurance company. And she says, I heard about what you guys are doing. I would love to see how we could help. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, ask her how she wants to help. I said, well, how do you want to help? She says, well, tell me about your expenses. And I found that odd. And I said, what, what exactly are you asking? She goes, what, what are you going to be spending on? What are some of the things that you're going to incur and cost on? So I said, well, we're, we're going to be um, ordering all these T-shirts. That's going to be a couple of thousand. She goes, we'll pay for that. We're going to have some face painters. We'll pay for that. Uh, we, we're going to do some ISIS. We'll pay for that. We're going to have bounce houses. We'll pay for that. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, what, what is this? But... Let me remind you, believer, that the scripture says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. You want to slap the devil in the face? Make him bow down and provide for what the kingdom wants to do. But you know how we got there? We refused to quit. We refuse to quit. We will not back down on what God has called us to. And you know what? We love all the churches in this community. We will partner with churches that want to partner with us. Those that don't, we love you. We're here to serve you. But friends, we have to continue to move forward with this kingdom. And we're going to continue to be consistent. The next point, what does it take for us to stay? To make that declaration true, we will continue to be sacrificially generous. Say that with me. We will continue to be sacrificially generous. Listen, 
The kingdom of God calls for people to live sacrificially. But you know why? Because God led that way first. He sacrificed all for us. And so I'm reminded of a portion of scripture where the apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians. And he's reminding them of something that they had committed to years before. He's saying, remember how you guys were inspired and riled up and you said, we want to help this church in Jerusalem that is suffering. We want to fund the kingdom. And so Paul says, remember that church? Well, let me tell you what another region of churches is doing. And he was saying that to inspire them. He alludes to the Macedonian churches. In 2 Corinthians 8, you'll see that in your own because I'm not going to get into all that. The scripture tells us that they were in severe trials. These people were suffering great persecution. They were under extreme poverty. And yet the scripture, as we'll see, teaches us, it tells us that they pleaded for the privilege to give, to serve the needs of others sacrificially and generously. Now, this teaches us, friends, that anyone can be sacrificially generous. Anyone can. As a matter of fact, if you're a Christian, we all should be. But here's the question. How? How do you get to that point? How do we do this? Don't worry, guys. I'm not carrying, I'm not, we're not doing another offering. It's okay. Calm down. It's all right. We're, we're not collecting another offering. Let's see how. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 4, says, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege, the privilege, the privilege of sharing this service to the Lord's people. Now watch verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations, so they were sacrificially, sacrificially generous. But how? Here's how. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. Let me stop right there. What does that mean? What that means is that before they ever gave anything, they were already committed to Christ. Here's where we go wrong. We give, but we're not committed to the Lord. Our lives don't center around Jesus. These people did differently. They loved the Lord with all their heart. And because they loved the Lord with all their heart, because their decisions were, they, they all were, they were all centered upon the truth. Because they loved Jesus and understood the great sacrifice that he made for them. Anything that they did that people would call sacrifice wasn't. Now you might say, well, you know, that's hard to do. No, it's not. I'll prove it to you. How many of your parents wave at me? I'll tell you something about you parents. You will sacrifice it all for your kids. Let me tell you why. Because you're devoted to them. And here's what, here's, here's what these people were. They were devoted to Christ. And as such, because they were devoted to Christ, because they gave themselves first, it says, and then by the will of God also to us. What does that tell us? That once they were centered in living towards all that honored Christ, that was about Christ, that worshiped God, they were sold out to that, then they were able to do what is called the will of God. They understood, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the will of God. And friends, when you understand who Christ is, when you live your life devoted to Christ, doing the will of God may have challenges, but you'll always do it. Why? Because he's worth sacrificing for.
Friends, I'm not asking you to give what you can with your time, with your talents, with your resources, with your finances, with your experience. I'm not asking you to give what you can. I'm asking you to give what God says. What is the will of God? What does your love for God call you to? So what does it take for us to stay here? This next point is we will plant our flag knowing that it is the beginning of God's greater purposes. Say that with me. We will plant our flag knowing that it is the beginning of God's greater purposes. Let me give you two portions of scripture for that. Deuteronomy 11.24 says every place where you set your foot will be what? Yours. Now you got to understand what's happening here. God is speaking through this man Moses to his people, and he's saying, you see where you're standing? I've already given it to you. You're afraid, but I'm already, I've already given it to you. But I haven't just called you to what I've given to you right here. He says, no, your territory will extend to the desert, from the desert to Lebanon, from dry places to other places. Yeah. And from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea, God's casting a big vision. He's saying, I want to start right here, but I want to take you to greater places. Goes on to say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is speaking. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses, what is that talking about? You will be people that know this truth, and you stand according to it, and your life reflects this truth. But I haven't just called you to be a witness in Jerusalem. No, but also in all Judea and in, and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, where you start is not where you stay, but you have to have somewhere where you plant your, fa your flag to start. We believe that God has kingdom purposes in the city of Newburgh. And we believe that God has placed us here as a part to help bring those purposes to pass. You know what I dream about? 30,893 people knowing Christ, loving one another, leading by example. Do you realize what would happen in this entire state if Newburgh came to Christ? Now, I know some of you are going, oh, that's crazy. I know. I know. I know, but listen, God is the God who does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what we could ask or imagine. So call me crazy. We're going to dream bigger than anybody's ever dreamt. We're going to do bigger things than anybody's, than anybody's ever tried. Why? Because we serve a big God, and he can do big things if we would just show up. We believe that the city of Newburgh is our Jerusalem. And we believe that what God wants to do here will expand and bear witness into other places and touch many more lives. This is our Jerusalem. You know, for a long time, those of you that have been around for a while, you'll know this. We've done anything and everything that we could to identify a location that's bigger, that accommodates more space. We've almost gotten into contract once. 
we've been at the table with sellers, had a, had a deal, and then when it came to going to contract, that fell through. And we've tried and we've tried and we've tried. And I'll tell you, blood, sweat, and tears, man. There have been times when I'm just like, I give up. Being honest with you, I, I give up. I, I, like, like, what am I supposed to do here, Lord? And for a long time, we've been tenants in the city of Newburgh. But the Bible says that we're supposed to be owners. And all of a sudden, out of left field comes a conversation. Conversation that says, I know you feel somewhat limited in this building, but can you envision something different in it? Can you begin to see something more than what you currently see in your kids' department, in your worship space, in your offices? And other? Can you begin to see something different? That really challenged me because I never thought that way. I was despising what was happening here, to be honest with you. I was overlooking it. And the owner of this building comes to me. He says to me, I want to sell you this building. But I want to sell it to you for a deal that nobody will give you. Friends, when the interest rate that you get on the sale of a building defies the economy, when the price of a building makes no sense, not because it's too high, but because it's way below what the building appraises for, right? When you begin to get a plan from God and you go, oh, wow, if we move this, we shift this, we knock that wall down, we do that, and you begin to see something. Friends, I'm not telling you that this is our last stop, but I will tell you that we have to plant a flag. So today I want to just let you know that this week we went into contract for 90 Broadway. We're not going to be tenants. We're here to stay in this city. We are declaring to this community that Jesus is alive and there are people that will show up, that will be consistent, and we will serve people from death to life. Would you stand with me as we close today? Let me just say something. It's very important to understand. We did not get here, meaning me and my wife. This isn't about we. When I say we're here to stay, I want you to also understand that we, meaning all of us, are those who helped us get here. And I'm telling you, this is, this is going to be a beginning. We're going to renovate. We're going to have to do some things. We're figuring out some plans and all that. We're, we're going to start going through a process. But what I am going to tell you is that eventually what we want to use this building for is to do community programming, community services in a very different kind of way. But we have to have a flagship. We have to have a flag planted. And so I'm telling you, stick around for the move of God. You have no idea what we dream about. I'll share that at another time. But we get the privilege to be a part of what God's doing. You watch. Mark this day. 
July 2nd, 2023, 12:11 p.m. When I tell you that God is going to do things expediently. That the favor upon this house and its people is going to open doors that no man can shut because it's God at work. And so let's band together. Let's be the body. Let's rise up. And for those of you both that just started being here and you've been here for a while, can I just simply honor you and say thank you for honoring God and being faithful to what God has called us to. Come on and give it up for God working in you. Here we go and here we grow. <laughs> Let's do this big. We serve a big God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, we love our city. Get behind this. Blood, sweat, and tears. Get behind it. This community is open to the gospel, man. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. There's a move of God waiting to be unleashed. And it just takes you and me showing up. Let's do that. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.